The Chet Kalvik Podcast Network. He's a Chicago sports broadcasting legend. The other has spent a lifetime walking into Las Vegas casinos and taking your money. Check Copic. Harvard Hallis Barnhard. This is Vegas Uncensored. How are you doing, everybody? Are you curious about point spread value? You want to take down your man and believe that you came to the right place. I'm Chet Copic, along with the pride and joy of Las Vegas Boulevard, Harvard Hollis Barnhart. Hey, while you enjoy what we had to talk about today, kick back and enjoy a delicious Miller Lite. Triple Hops Brewing. If you're a beer drinker, you know that absolutely nothing beats a cold, relaxing Miller Lite. Hey, Harvard, later on, I want to talk about uh, uh, a chunk of Vegas history with you about a legendary bounce check. But right off the top, you had a big win, a big win last weekend with Kentucky. You really thought out of the box this, again, is about point spread value. This is about your unique perspective on Las Vegas. Dance floor is wide open. Give us a rundown, my man. Well, Chet, let me tell you something. Uh, you know, people have a misperception on how they come up with the games. A lot of people think, all right, we all know that somebody knows who the winner is. The problem is who, who has it, who knows it, and how did they get there? Usually, most people, when they're doing a show like this, they leave the most fascinating information towards the end of the show. Well, because it's you and I, our show is so fascinating, we're going to start off with something that will absolutely blow your mind on how thinking out of the box to determine point spread value really works if you know what you're doing. And here's what I'm talking about, Chet. A lot of people want to know how is the line, how is the value, how do you even determine Hmm. if there's any value? If I put a line at minus 7, how do I know it should have been minus 4? How should I know it should have been uh, minus 10? So here's what we do. You know, there's look-ahead games. Like last week, I told you that South Carolina, and we're talking about the Kentucky playing at South Carolina game, and I told you that South Carolina did have a look-ahead game playing Alabama this week. All right, everybody in the world knows that. The bookie knows that. You know that. You just have to look at the schedule. But how do we determine the past scheduling to enter into the line? Here's the way I thought. If Kentucky, the week before they played South Carolina, the the prior two weeks they had played Alabama and they had played Florida. If Kentucky, the same team, had played Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt, and they had been 2-0, and winning both of those games, what would the point spread line been? Because they would have won both those games and then had to travel to South Carolina as a 2-0 and team in the conference. The line would have been minus or plus six for uh, uh, Kentucky. However, they lost to the number one team in Florida. They lost to the number two team in Alabama. So the same team traveling to South Carolina is now getting minus 12. So because of the scheduling and who they played, the line went from minus 6 to minus 12 with South Carolina. Well, immediately you and I both noticed that the Sharpies jumped on the line early and and made it 10.5 to 11. So it was a pretty solid 10.5 by game time. But the same team with favorable point spread value getting plus 10.5, plus 11, 11.5, depending on when our audience heard this show, 
They ended up taking their man down. It was like a 28-26 final. Kentucky led the entire game. And we also talked about how conservative uh, South Carolina was going to play. Uh, they are run-orientated. Uh, they're defensive-orientated. And they had that look-ahead game playing Alabama this coming week. So they're just taking six points, the best of it, made us an absolute stone-cold nut winner by thinking out of the box and asking different type of questions. And that's what I wanted to share. You have to sometimes look ahead, but there's many times you want to look behind and see what would the point spread have been if this or that had happened. All right, now here's your opportunity to blow me out of the gym. Last week you and I were talking about Southern California versus Notre Dame. Both teams coming off a bye week. They're going to play beneath the Golden Dome. I like Jimmy Clausen. I like Golden Tate. Uh, I'm intrigued by Notre Dame right now. I realize that uh, Notre Dame's defense is nothing special. That being said, once again, Hollis, I kind of represent, as you know, a little bit of wise guy money, but all too often public money. I told you I thought the line would be, oh, Notre Dame plus 11. Uh, I, I think you hit down. it right on the nose, Chad. I believe it's been bet the, down uh, to 10. You, so, you, you absolutely tell me why. had it right. You, you tell me why. You tell me why the the books out in Vegas right now are laughing at guys like Chet Kopik who think 11 is a terrific number. Well, first of all, I don't think that 11 is a terrific number. I think that because of what Notre Dame has represented in the last, well, pick a number, 50 years or whatever, but especially in the last 25 years, uh, give or take the last three or four years when they've been a little bit down since uh, Brady Quinn was there, I really think that they're – following is so loyal to that team that they will bet them if we hadn't made the game pick them you're going to find a lot of check copics out there in the world that are so close it identifies with notre dame so closely that they would have gone ahead and done it but with that said i made the line 17 and a half. First of all notre dame has a lot of problems with this team uh, USC, let's start off with something that USC is. They're 31 and 2 versus ranked opponents since 2002. And I mean, they get the job done. Six of the last seven wins by USC over Notre Dame have come by double digits. So they know how to win big. But let's get into the fundamentals of Clausen and the rest of the Notre Dame team. Since Nevada in game one came into South Bend and were shut out 35 to nothing. Right. And that got everybody's attention. It even got mine because uh, I tell you what, it's tough to shut out that team, uh, that Nevada team. But they shut them out 35 to nothing. Since then, uh, they've done absolutely nothing defensively. They've given up 29, almost 30 points per game. So you can't say anything about the defense. On and, and let's talk about their offense. For the five defenses that Notre Dame has played against since that game are ranked 75th or worse out of 118 teams. So that means every close game that Notre Dame has played four of the last five weeks, they've had some nail biters and some uh, late wins and things like that, Four out of those five defenses that they've played have been ranked 75th or worse. Well, I come in with USC. I'm thinking that their defense is so incredible, even though they lost a lot of their stars to the NFL last year, 
they uh, they absolutely just uh, reloaded. Their front sevens accounted for 21 sacks, which uh, that doesn't spell well for uh, Clawson. And uh, Notre Dame just isn't going to be able to do what they've done to the teams like, uh, you know, uh, Purdue and, and, you know, teams like that. You know, Hollis, based on what you're telling me, and based on uh, USC, and they and they are prolific. I mean, for example, they send four linebackers to the National Football League off their ball club last year. They have four new backers this year, and they haven't missed a beat. They're one of the top five defensive teams uh, uh, in America. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if this winds up being a 65-point ball game between these two teams. You buy that? Well... 65 points, uh, no, I do not buy that at all. I'm not sure. I'm telling you right now, I know Clawson's matured and everything, but he's got a lot of pressure on him to perform. And uh, I don't know that it it might not even be him. It might be the staff. It might be Wise. It might be the way he uh, puts pressure on you, and maybe he thinks he's not putting pressure on you. There might be a lack of chemistry. You remember uh, the last two years, you know, Clawson and Weiss didn't get along that well. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, all of a sudden, maybe winning changes things around. But the last two times that uh, USC has played Notre Dame, you know the combined score, don't you? 76-3. to 76-3. to three. You got it. And, I mean, that's outright embarrassing for a head coach. Now, the head coach with Charlie Weiss, you know, he didn't get to work for Belichick and people like that without having some kind of ego. And I just can't imagine him taking a back seat to uh, – you know, some punk kid from, uh, you know, uh, California named Jimmy Clausen. Now, like I said, granted, Clausen's done well. He's had 1,544 yards passing. He's thrown 12 touchdowns, and he's been very accurate this year. I think he's only had, what, two picks this year? Mm-hmm. Correct. You know, so, you know, I just really think that the pressure might be on the chemistry between the coaching and, and Clausen. This is the game that defines a whole season. Now, Leading up to it, like I said, they've gone against some horrible defenses and they've squeaked out some wins. So I think what you've done is when you see the record of Notre Dame is four and one, but they're only one and four against the spread. When you're handicapping games and when you're, uh, you're looking at it, you get far more insight on what the Vegas odds makers who are willing to risk millions of dollars every single day. They, they're not mouthing off what they think things should be. They put their money where their mouth is. Well, that's one in four against the spread. So even they've underperformed each and every game against the Vegas odds makers. Well, I really think that, uh, when they came out with the line, and like I said, I think it should have been 17. I think that a lot of people, instead of looking at that one and four number, I think the odds makers, remember, they're just going to use something to kind of get the same amount of money bet on each side. So I think they figured that they can make the line ten and a half or eleven, knowing that they're stealing all the Notre Dame backers' money and knowing that those people are going to bet it no matter what and they're hedging towards a little Southern California money so they can uh, probably figure that's a safer route to go because there are a lot more Notre Dame backers than there would be SC backers. But uh, that 4-0 record, or 4-1 record that Notre Dame is supported or, uh, you know, showing off, uh, boy, that, that's right in the bright neon lights, uh, and all it does is blink, blink, blink. But uh, remember, what is really real is their defense just does not get it. And if there's any weakness at all, it would be the offense of USC, and they're still pretty prolific. So I think that offensively USC can score, 
and defensively, USC can hold. So with that combination, I thought it would be probably 14 to 17 points, and uh, I admit I took the higher route at 17, 17 and a half. But uh, I think it's going to be a good game until it's about uh, eight minutes to go in the first quarter, and the score's <laughs> 10 to nothing, USC, and the spread is covered with uh, 10 minutes to go in the first quarter, and now all they have to do is play just over three quarters at even football. In other words, uh, Hollis, basically you're saying it's going to be a great ball game until the coin toss. Uh, just about, you know. Uh, are those uh, referee coin tossers going to be ready, uh, wearing those little pink uh, or, or red uh, jerseys? Or I, I, I would assume. You know, what's, what's, what's intriguing to me is this. I've heard for years that in Las Vegas, with USC in particular, to a lesser degree UCLA, but in, in particular with SC, that on Fridays, as people begin drifting down the highway from Southern California to Las Vegas, they will tend to drive the number up on USC. Is that for real or is that a wives' tale? No, I mean, they, you get a lot of Southern Cal money, but when they're playing Notre Dame, it's equalized. It's neutralized because there's so much Notre Dame money. I mean, you, I can't tell you how much Notre Dame money will probably fly in to Las Vegas this week just to bet on their beloved, uh, what are they, the Fighting uh, Irish or something like the, that? Uh, but the, uh, the Fighting uh, Protestants. You know, and I used to be a Notre Dame fan until Charlie Weiss went in there. I just never did like him. I didn't like his attitude, and I really didn't think that his – demeanor would uh, hold well with these college kids i and un- you know and i just heard this as rumor i don't know who it was but somebody told me that uh he just does not have any interaction with the kids it's one of those things you know you either do it my way or just get out of my office that type of thing he doesn't try to talk any uh sense into him or reason with him or use any uh, psychology with him or or treat him like uh, they are which is uh 18 19 20 year old young men and uh you know it's almost like he's just too big and too good for him and i don't think that works well in that type of environment and uh you know, so I, I don't know. He kind of turned me off, and uh, I'm so happy that USC is only 11-point favorite, and I'm definitely going to take uh, the fighting, I mean the uh, USC Trojans in this game. All right, while you uh, dig the expertise, the Las Vegas expertise of Harvard, Hollis Barnhart, kick back and enjoy a delicious Miller Lite. Nothing goes down smoother, nothing goes down with a greater sense of flavor. After this show, I guarantee you, Harvard, yours truly, we are both going to kick back with delicious Miller Lights. Hollis, we have five NFL unbeatens right now as we enter uh, week six. The Giants, Peyton Manning and the Colts, along with uh, uh, Minnesota, Denver, and New Orleans. Right now, I would make the Giants seven points over those other four clubs on a neutral. Maybe more than seven points. That's how good I think the Giants are. Well, I don't think so. I think that the Giants are good. In fact, I have them ranked number one. But uh, the way Peyton Manning is throwing the ball, uh, you're not good. If you if you put uh, New York minus seven against, uh, in fact, let's go over it. Let's say that the Giants are in and they're playing on a neutral field, Indianapolis. I would take Indy plus the seven. Uh, I would probably lay the seven against Denver. Uh, I would definitely take the plus seven against New Orleans. And I would take the seven against Minnesota. So uh, probably uh, three of those teams I would take the plus seven. Denver I actually like as more of a story than as of a team. I mean, you're very familiar with this, uh, you know, since uh, going back with the quarterback controversy yeah, and Josh McDaniel. Oh, how, how and, right uh, now, right now, the single sexiest story 
in the NFL, in my opinion, is the Denver Broncos. Look where Josh McDaniels was. He has the fallout with uh, with Cutler. Cutler comes to Chicago. Kyle Orton, everybody thinks is a journeyman, goes out to Denver. But as you know, because, you know, this is what you do for a living, it really ain't all about Kyle Orton. It's about the Denver defense, which has only allowed 43 points in five ball games. Well, let's start with the – first of all, let's go back to the last week's game. I do have a question for you. When Belichick lost last week to uh, Denver, do you think he was upset that his team lost or f- proud that one of his assistants finally came through and did something that was, uh, you know, pretty much uh, incredible? Oh, he was pissed off sky high. Yes, <laughs> you really think so? Guy, you don't think so? Somewhere in his heart, he had to say, Absolutely "Hey, you know not. what? That's my uh, that's one of my guys I mentored, and I'm really proud of him." Hollis, I say that because uh, until further notice, I refuse to believe that Bill Belichick actually has a heart. Oh, you might be right there. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into uh, let's get into the main player. You've got a 33 year old kid. In fact, he might have been 32. How did he get the job? How did he have enough going at the age of 33 to get into the head of the owner and then? take on this incredible controversy that he took on and then put together this team with Kyle Orton. In fact, by the way, he threw his first uh, interception of the year last week, and that was on a held Mary right before halftime. Right. He put this uh, he put this 5-0 and run together. Uh, granted, I think Norton's probably helped him with the defense, but uh, how did he ever put this thing together with the logistics of the controversies going around? Uh, it's just an incredible story, like you said. Hey, my friend, um, we have a very intriguing college football game in the Big Ten Conference up at uh, Camp Randall, Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, the Wisconsin Badgers cannot afford a loss. They've been beaten by Ohio State. Another uh, loss, and uh, instead of thinking about playing football on New Year's Day, they're going to be farmed out to uh, uh, a lesser bowl sometime before Christmas. Iowa Hawkeyes, Kirk Ferentz, unbeaten. Harvard, Hollis, Barnhart, give me the play. Hawkeyes down. Hawkeyes down. I'm telling you right now. There's one team left unbeaten in the Big Ten. It's Iowa. Let's see. Today is uh, like Wednesday. You better enjoy it. you got about three more days of being unbeaten. You are going to fall from the ranks this weekend with a really fine team the Wisconsin Badgers, and uh, I'm telling you right now, the Hawkeyes, they retained uh, last week. They held on to beat Michigan 30-28. to Their defense is pretty good, but let me tell you something. Uh, they've got some a few problems offensively, and uh, I look for them to uh, travel to Madison, and they have a big showdown with Wisconsin, but I'm not buying into it. Uh, you know, when the week after they played Penn State and they had, I mean, they could barely beat, uh, who was it, Arkansas State? I think they went in there as a 21-and-a-half-point favorite. And they barely, in fact, I think they had to come from behind to win 24-21 against Arkansas State. But uh, the uh, the Badgers, uh, they are for real. Uh, they played, they absolutely outplayed Ohio State last year. I mean, last week, all over the field, they outgained him. They out, uh, they outproduced him. They had a lot more first downs. And uh, how they ever ended up not, you know, actually, the score was so far away from what the uh, reality was. That's really inf- 
I guess it shows into the point spreads today. Uh, the game is uh, pick them. Had they kept that game close or beaten Ohio State, I think you would have seen the Hawkeyes coming in here as an underdog. But right now they're coming in as a pick them game. And uh, Hawkeyes are not going to get out of uh, Wisconsin uh, without a uh, blemish on their, uh, what is it, the uh, right side of their record. My friend, uh, I love Las Vegas history. I love the legacy of Las Vegas it's time for Harvard Hollis Barnhart to tell us about his most famous bounce check. Well, Chet, let me tell you something. You know, when you walk around the casinos and you have friends and not-so-friendly people, you're always getting hit up for money and things like that. I had a guy that gave me one of the saddest stories you've ever heard. And, uh, you know, unlike uh, Belichick, I do have a heart. <laughs> and he, he, he needed to borrow $3,000. And it was going to be for like, uh, you know, 10 days to two weeks, which, you know, to me, back in those days, I didn't realize that when you give somebody $3,000, you may as well just kiss it goodbye because I just did not, uh, you know, I still believed in people. And uh, so I gave him this $3,000. And I knew it would probably take more than 10 days, so I was prepared for that. So after 30 days, I started, to, uh, you know, looking them up. And I hadn't heard from him. And uh, he said, well, you know, give me a few more days. Give me a few more days. And I called and I called and I called. So finally, after about 45 days, he finally said, all right, come over to the house. I got a check for you. So I went over there. I got a check for $3,000 that he wrote. Went to the bank to cash it. The check bounced. So I figured, wow, he just gave me the check this morning. He called me. It's, it's got to be something wrong. So, uh. I called him back, and I said, George, what's wrong with the check? It bounced. He said, of course it bounced. He <laughs> says, I don't have that much money in the account. I said, you've got to be kidding. Now, I'm, you know, this is the first time in 45 days. Now, I'm, first time I even thought about getting pissed off. So I said, are you out of your mind? What would you write it for me, uh, to me for? And he said, to get you off my ass. <laughs> he, he says, you're always calling up and wanting my money. <laughs> And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're the one that balled the money in the first place. Are you out of your mind? So anyway, he says, well, there's not enough money in the account, so, you know, screw you. So I was like, and he hangs up on me. And I'm like, I swear to God, Chet, I was just absolutely dumbfounded and flabbergasted that this could happen. So I went to the, I was still at the house, so I picked up the phone and I called the bank and I said, I have a check. And I gave him the account number and I said, it's written for $2,700, will it clear? And they looked it up, and they said, no, it won't. So I hung up. I called right back, and I gave them the account, and I said, I have a check for $2,400, will it clear? Because remember, he said there's not enough money in the account. Right. So, so they said, yes, it will clear for $2,400. So I hung up. I drove over to the bank. I took a deposit slip and took $600 out of my pocket. And I went up to the first window and I deposited $600 into his account. And man, I'm nervous because I don't know if you're allowed to do that or not, but I figured, you know, you could put money in. You just, you know. So anyway, I made a deposit for $600. I then go over about two windows over and I'm kind of shaking and I give him the check. And I said, can I present this for payment? She goes, blah, 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 blah. she says, yes, it will clear. And she gave me $3,000 back. So I got his 2400 out of his account, 
and my 600 that I just deposited back out. So it cost me 600. I picked up the phone and I called them and I said, now go check your account. There's nothing in it. <laughs> Man, you are an American original. Harvard Can you imagine putting money into account to get money out? That is amazing. Only, only in Glitter Gulch, only in Las Vegas, Nevada. Once again, don't forget, you can enjoy Harvard Hollis Barnhart, yours truly, Chet Kopic. Let's go have a, a beer. Right here on iTunes. Ah, you're speaking my language, Hollis. All right. Let's pop it, pop it. In fact, I'll tell you what, right I can't now, even mow the yard out here in Vegas. In fact, one other story, Chet. I remember, this is a funny story. A guy called me on New Year's Day, and he was calling from Nebraska back years ago when they used to get to the bowl games. And uh, I, I said, how's the weather in Nebraska? And he said, oh, my God, it's snowing, and uh, the wind is blowing. It's about 12 miles uh, or 12, what is that, 12 below zero wind chill and all that stuff. And he says, how is it out here? And I went, and then I held the phone outside, and he said, what's that noise? I said, it's a lawnmower. <laughs> New Year's Day, we're mowing the yard, drinking a Miller beer, and he's sitting there, uh, you know, with a snowblower. But that's Vegas for you on New Year's Day, mowing the yard. And don't forget, we are back in seven days with more uh, education. Harvard Hollis Barnhart style with Las Vegas Bra. On behalf of the man himself, Mr. Harvard uh, Hollis Barnhart, Here's truly Chet Kapik. Go enjoy a Miller Lite, and we'll talk to you in seven days. So long, everybody.